Alan Koch was recently hired as the FC Edmonton head coach. This episode was previously recorded before the news broke out. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Join me today. He's a former professional soccer player and currently the head coach of the Colorado Springs Switchbacks Football Club. It's Alan Koch. How are you doing today, Alan? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited to learn more about you and your rise to the challenge. First thing we like to do with our guests is talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? It's interesting where I'm from is not a, not a very simplistic uh, question because I, I've taken a, a very journey and I, w- I was born and raised in Durban, South Africa. Um, and I spent almost all of my youth uh, in Durban. I went to Cape Town for two years. Um, my dad's side of the family all South African. My mom's side of the family all German. Um, so I grew up as a as a South African, but also very proud of my German heritage. Um, and then this journey has taken me to multiple different countries. But I I went to Canada uh, in the mid '90s. My family actually immigrated. Um, so for the last close to 20 years, I've I've also been a Canadian citizen. Um, so it's. It's not a very simple, uh, simple answer to that. I, I know where I was born. I know where I grew up. Uh, I know where I'm sitting right now. Um, I'm very proud of all the different backgrounds that I have and different citizenships too. Um, but I'm very much a global, a global journey uh, person, but also a global citizen. There's probably like a big difference between living in South Africa and Canada as they're in like two different areas. And it's definitely probably the temperature and the culture and stuff. What's something that you enjoyed about each part and what you've learned about yourself and the culture being there? Um, Lots of things about South Africa. I think growing up there, I was very fortunate. I was exposed to so many different cultures, different people, different languages, uh, a very diverse way of life, which I, uh, I love diversity. I love different people. I love cultures. I love languages. Um, And also one of the things just growing up in Durban, I grew up on the beach uh, and the Indian Ocean is one of the warmer bodies of water on the planet. So it's a great place just to grow up and frolic in the water and surf and bodyboard. And uh, I was fortunate in my family and I spent a lot of time at the beach uh, there. And then Canada is the complete opposite um, <laughs> be- because, because uh, obviously it's a colder country. It's certainly not cold all the time. Uh, I was very fortunate. My family actually uh, immigrated to Vancouver, which is probably one of the mildest climates in the whole of Canada. It's very much like Seattle and Portland, it's Pacific Northwest. It's, it's gray and it rains, but it doesn't get that cold. Um, but yet again, I, I enjoyed the different facets of life in Canada. Uh, Canada is also a very diverse country. And like the United States, there's just people from, from all over the place that have migrated uh, to the country. So even though Canada and South Africa were, were and still are both very, very different, there's so many similarities between both countries. You talked about you picked up surfing and all of those different types of activities. Did you kind of make the transition when you moved to Canada, picking up like snowboarding, skiing, those types of activities, or was there something else that you found passionate? Um, I was fortunate. I learned to ski when I was playing in Europe. Um, so when I did come over to Canada, that was something we, we carried on doing. Um, where we have our house uh, in Canada, and I'm actually at it right now, like we like I mentioned earlier, we got back to Vancouver late last night. Um, there's a mountain just, just behind us. Um, so continued skiing there. Uh, our youngest daughter actually learned to ski on that mountain slope. Um, so yeah, I have an appreciation for bodyboarding, surfing in, in the ocean, and then obviously skiing uh, on, 
on the white powder is something I enjoy too. Don't do it very often now. And, and with age, I've had to become a lot smarter about how you do it uh, in terms of managing my knees and my back and my body. Um, but I certainly love the ocean. I certainly love the mountains too. Growing up, did you have any motivations or inspirations? Yeah, lots. And most of it revolved around the, the round ball. Uh, it was to play as, as much as I could, wherever I could, with whoever I, whoever I could, um, and just enjoy the game as much as possible. And uh, the game in South Africa, I grew up during apartheid in South Africa where it was very segregated, but the, the round ball uh, and soccer was so diverse that it allowed me the privilege of, of getting to interact with people from every different background, every different culture, and it definitely gave me uh, uh, an upbringing that I feel very fortunate to have had. Um, but no, I, I supported some of the local teams. Uh, I went to watch Amazulu, who are still around today in the South African Premier League, uh, and Manning Rangers, who don't exist, uh, unfortunately, more in, in Durban. But there's big clubs like Orlando Pirates and Kaiser Chiefs in South Africa that everybody follows. They're the ones that were always on TV. So um, I had dreams of playing for, for some of those clubs. Uh, I played professionally in South Africa, but not at that level. Um, but those were some of my motivators. But I also enjoyed all the other sports. I enjoyed rugby, cricket, uh, track and field, uh, every sport. Uh, I can appreciate every single sport there is out there because there's, there's different skills required in every sport. But at the end of the day, people are just trying to maximize their abilities. I think that's what sport's about. Whether you play it professionally or recreationally, you're, you're trying to maximize what you have. Uh, and, and some people obviously blessed with different skill levels. Uh, but at the end of the day, everybody wants to be the best that they can be. Even if you're playing a re recreational ultimate Frisbee, you, you, you want to go out there and be as good as you can at it. And obviously different people have different competition levels, um, but uh, you want to go out and enjoy the sport and, and hopefully do as well as you can. When I was growing up, sports was definitely big in my days. I played soccer, baseball, tennis, all those different types. But I was one of those people like where I was trying to push myself to the next level where I didn't care if I win because okay, I get, a, I get a trophy. But I wanted to show people what I can and can't do. And I was always there proving myself and practicing every day. And I think that's the best part about sports even growing up is you start learning those skill sets, even about like teamwork, working as an individual or working with a team and other people that you may not know and trying to find how can we all work together for that common goal. Because a lot of people, as you get older and you're now in the business or in a company, you kind of use those skills in a way where you come in and you don't know people and you say, how do we all work together? What's something that sports taught you at a young age? Teamwork, a sense of togetherness, a sense of selflessness, um, and, and all the different sports that I played other than the individual ones. I ran a lot of cross country uh, in, in high school and thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, but even that, even within cross country, there's a team element. You, you'd run for yourself to see where you could place, but you also were part of a team trying to place the team as high as possible. But just a sense of togetherness, a sense of unity. Uh, and now I can look back uh, being a little bit older, just the, the biggest thing I took from it was just group dynamics because nobody's, nobody's the same. Um, but if we can all get on the same page and we can all give of ourselves, we can hopefully achieve something greater together than we probably could by individuals sounds like you like any sport that makes you run like you like those running sports because <laughs> like it, it, cross country i'm like nope there's too much running track and field nope too much 
But even like you, soccer, I can handle because there's that downtime for a few seconds. But then it's like, nope, now I gotta start running. You know what's funny is, I used to run cross country and I did track and field, 800, 1500, 3000 meters. And the reason I really did them was to keep me fit for soccer. Okay. And, and at the time, I would do it and I knew, okay, this is good for my soccer. It's going to help me. I'm going to be fitter and all that type of jazz. But um, I reflect now and I actually really appreciated the individual sports. Um, and it's funny, I was listening on a plane ride last night to a podcast and I listened to a few of them, so I cannot remember who actually said this, but it was somebody who was speaking about scouting soccer players and they said the biggest thing that they look for, and it's very, it's very different, they were, who are the runners? And you talk about running and obviously you, you can get criticized for thinking of the game as a, a running sport because there's so much more to it. There's tactics, oh, yeah. there's technical ability, there's, there's soccer IQ. Um, and I, I listened to several podcasts. I wish I could remember exactly who it was, but this was a big scout that said one of the biggest things they look for are who are the runners and who is willing to go do the work in possession, out of, out of possession, and also show the really quiet amount of intensity. So they're, uh, whether we like it or not, uh, soccer is a running sport. There is a certain amount of running that is definitely required, and different players like to run certain uh, certain amounts. But it is definitely a necessity in our sport. When you're doing like track and field and cross country, did you ever have that moment where maybe you were pushing yourself too much or doing too much in training for soccer, or you were just wanted to stay active, stay fit, and that was the main goal that you were looking for? Um. I remember in high school, our um, cross-country school races were on Wednesday afternoons. And I remember being in my 11th year of school, so the 11th grade, um, and I'd started playing for our local semi-professional team already at that age. And I was probably, I think, 16. And I would go run in the afternoon, and it was about eight kilometers, and you would race. It was a... Every race was important. You're trying to get points to compete, uh, to qualify for provincial championships and national championships. I'd have to go do that. Uh, and my mom, thank goodness, would take me to those races. She would kindly bring some food. I would eat. And then I would travel straight afterwards to go play in the men's league. Uh, and it was a semi-professional league where we were uh, getting paid some cash per game, that type of deal, uh, and go play in a competitive game then at night. Um, and I remember going at home after that eight kilometer race and a game where I was a central midfielder. So you're quite run a lot being absolutely exhausted. Um, and then the next morning waking up and going to school and studying and writing tests and all that type of stuff. So, uh, yeah, those are some, some challenges that you, that were posed. Uh, but I look back at those very fondly because there's some great memories. Definitely having that type of schedule. You have to have like the mental stamina to do that because some people they would just crash and just be like after eight kilometers be like no I, I can't do anything else but maybe that was kind of like the motivation you had is this is what I want to do possibly in the future or this is what I enjoy doing so you were going to be willing to do anything and come up with the ways to make sure that you play at 100 percent both um sports yeah you know what I think it is it's pushing through barriers mm -hmm. uh and I think that's something that I still use today. I, I don't use it physically. Uh, I like to exercise, but I'm certainly not going out and competing at elite levels in, in any shape or form. But it's something that I use when I communicate with my players uh, because we have players and I reference our club as a platform club where we have players that come to our club and we want to help them 
maximize their abilities and hopefully go into bigger and better things. Um, to do that, you have to come out of your comfort zone. And that was one of the biggest things I, I realized from running cross country is you're tired. If you're running a cross country race and you're competing to either win it or finish or place in certain positions, there's going to come a time where you're mentally going to have to check and say, okay, am I, am I going to slow down or am I going to push through this? Uh, and I think those physical challenges early in life in a, in a sport that wasn't my primary sport mm-hmm. actually helped me to this day uh, as a coach and as a person who's, who's still trying to, to grow uh, and get better every single day. What was that dream job that you were wanting? What were you wanting to do professionally? When I was a kid, what I thought about was playing soccer. That was, that was it. It was, can I, can I make it as a player? Can I go as far as I can? Uh, and thankfully, I was able to play collegiately and on a scholarship and play professionally in different places. Um, that's all I ever thought about. And then when I was 25 years old, I had to stop playing professionally. Uh, and to be quite honest, that was probably uh, one of the first, not the first, but one of the first moments where I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? Um, my, my journey is taking a major twist and, and how am I going to adjust what I'm going to do? Uh, and I went into business for, for six months and I, I always thought if I wasn't involved in soccer, I was going to work in business. I went into business and I did not enjoy it. Uh, and thankfully I got an opportunity to start coaching at 25 and here I am 20 years later and it's been my profession for, for 20 years. Talk about playing collegiately. Um, what did you enjoy about it and what was the challenges that you faced during those times? I think one of the biggest things playing, I can speak about college soccer because that's what I played, but I'm sure it goes for every college student athlete is, yes, I had goals of going and playing further and beyond that, but there was a real sense of we're in this together because you're trying to win each year for your team. Uh, and you're also trying to win for the seniors in, in college sports. So that's a big part of it is it's the end of their journey and let's, let's help them go out and lift a bang. Or when it is your senior, you obviously want to have that success. But the beauty of the collegiate game is you're not just there for your sport. Mm-hmm. You're, there to, you're there to study too. So there are so many different things that you're going through at the same time. And, and I did my undergrad at Simon Fraser University, which is a, a very, very... Uh, tough academic school. Um, it's one of the top-ranked Canadian universities, and it's the only Canadian university that plays in the American collegiate system. And we we had the challenge of trying to compete and winning a national championship, uh, which was our goal on the field. But then we all had the same goal of trying to graduate and, and trying to get an SFU degree. Um, so that was a pretty unique experience. It's very very different than the professional game. Uh, I've been a a player in the college game and in the professional game and I've been a coach in the college game and in the professional game and the environment is very very different um, because in professional soccer it's your professional soccer career uh, but as a student athlete yeah there's some players that aspire to become professional players but you're all in the same boat you're all trying to graduate you're all trying to get a degree that if it doesn't work as a soccer player you have something to fall back on. Did you have an easy time managing both academics and soccer or was it a challenge for you um it was okay it definitely wasn't easy um but it wasn't uh it wasn't something that was uh, incredibly difficult i know some people struggle with it and i've actually coached some players when i was a college coach that really really struggled with it and and you had to work with them and give them guidance to to either acquire or, or 
go work very, very hard to develop the skills to actually manage as a student athlete. And I managed to get by. Uh, I didn't graduate with the best GPA on the planet, but I didn't graduate with the worst GPA on the planet. I managed to, I managed to get my degree and I found the balance between studying, competing, and, and also trying to enjoy a bit of life too at the same time. I think that's definitely important. And I think that conversation with players or athletes wanting to go professionally is they don't have that fallback on a degree because you never know when your career is going to end. You kind of mentioned that at 25, you had to stop playing. And luckily, you did have that degree to fall back on if needed. After, as you were getting to graduation stage, were you getting like calls about going professionally or semi-professionally? Yeah, I, in my senior year, um, I, was, I was definitely starting to think about it. Um, I, I had some contact with the local team. Simon Fraser is actually in Vancouver and it was called the Vancouver 86ers at the time who are now the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, I had some conversations about joining them. It was also a time where there were indoor soccer teams. Uh, the indoor game was fairly big at that time in the nineties. So, uh, there was Edmonton drillers, uh, that had reached out. Um, but I actually decided to go to Europe. I thought Europe was where I would like to go with the first step and then hopefully progress to something bigger in Europe. So I went to play in the League of Ireland. Um, and that was the last club that I played for. I played for Limerick in the League of Ireland. Um, but I also was very fortunate. I was able to finish uh, my degree. The last semester of my degree I did by distance, uh, which in this day and age is a lot more common, uh, and particularly during COVID times where there's a lot of universities that are all online. Uh, it wasn't that common to do it that way. Um, but I remember finishing my last two courses uh, of my undergraduate degree. I was playing for Limerick uh, and doing my assignments there. And actually, uh, we'd have to mail everything in. Uh, I'd have to go to the library and get books. So it was a very, a very different world than it is nowadays. The, the internet was around, yes, uh, but it definitely wasn't as developed as it is nowadays. I'm, I'm making myself sound quite old, but uh, it, it was quite common to do it that way in those days. And I was fortunate to be able to play as a professional, but also finish off my degree at the same time. How was that experience uh, playing in the League of Ireland? Was it kind of was there a big difference between, well, obviously from college and there, and did it feel like the professional level that you were looking for? Um, well, first off, living in Ireland was beautiful. It's a beautiful country, beautiful people. It was uh, it was a fantastic time, and actually, our oldest daughter actually lives in Ireland now, which is uh, kind of a, an interesting twist. But um, the league itself. I'm glad I grew up in South Africa and I'm glad I played rugby because playing in the League of Ireland in those days was incredibly blue collar. It was a physical league. Uh, I was a central midfielder. I didn't touch the ball very often in the game. The ball went from the goalkeeper, from the defenders over my head to the center forward and you would have to sprint up and down the field. Um, so we tried to play a little bit within the game, uh, but a lot of the game was very, very direct. And, and was that the style of the, that day and age potentially was it the fields? The fields, uh, Ireland is obviously a wet country. Uh, the quality of the fields wasn't as good then as it certainly is now. I, I think the game in the League of Ireland has developed a lot in the last 20, 20 years, uh, but it was thoroughly enjoyable. It was, it was a great league to play in. Uh, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed the experience, but it was very, very physical. Uh, it was different than the college game that I played and when I played was technically very solid. Um, very, very athletic. There was a lot of running, obviously, and there still is that in the college game to this day, um, and somewhat physical. But playing as a pro and playing in the League of Ireland was definitely a, a big step up in intensity. Uh, I was hoping to go play at an even higher level, 
but I had to stop playing. I had a heart condition at the time and uh, had to stop playing when I was 25, like I mentioned earlier. And now in hindsight, that was probably one of the most fortunate things to have happened to me um, because if I'd kept on playing, I probably wouldn't have gone to much higher level uh, and would have delayed the start of my coaching career. And I feel very fortunate to have had the very journey that I've had as a coach because I've coached at every level under the rainbow. Uh, and by starting early, it's allowed me to really learn the craft and, and develop uh, my own style and my philosophy and, and who I am today. Did you ever have to have like a leader role or a captain role or did you kind of have to look under, look up to someone in those spots and how did you handle those situations? Um, in high school, I was the, the captain of our high school team. In my youth teams, I was the captain of all my youth teams. In college for my sophomore, junior and senior, I was the captain of the team. So uh, from a young age, I, I was uh, a leader of those teams. Uh, in the professional game, I was never the captain of of uh, any of my professional teams. Um, so there were other leaders that I, I looked up to and worked with. Uh, but even to this day, I, I still believe there's there's leaders in different teams and they come in different shapes and forms. And my, my current captain of our Switchbacks team is probably one of the least, if not the least vocal player on the team. Wow. But, he is a, but he is a player who leads through his actions. He is a player who literally every single day in training, in every single activity, uh, he is ready to go every single day. And he completely inspires and leads the team through those actions. Um, we need to have other leaders and we do have other leaders, um, but it just, it just reminds me and, and gives you the different types of leaderships that are available. You don't have to be allowed as a leader that sometimes can be the best form of leadership, uh, but other times it can be, you can be a silent leader. I'm just going to do my job uh, and you can inspire the people around you uh, by going out with that approach. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Even a leader doesn't have to have the title of captain or manager or something. They can come, like you said, all shapes and sizes and can come out of nowhere. And I think it's based on their actions where they can prove to themselves that people can follow and they can listen to them. And Definitely, I've experienced that where I see someone who doesn't have the title, but they're doing what's right and they're doing it where you can learn from them. And I think I enjoy hearing that the person, your uh, captain is not the most loudest person because maybe that's his strategy and it works for the team and they can all respect that in a way. Yeah, it, it's interesting though because you can go from and I love topics like this. I love organizational behavior and structures and all of that. Um, I've, I've enjoyed studying it. I have a master's degree in human resources, but I've lived it as a coach. And people talk about culture uh, a lot of the time in an organization or in a team. And obviously, a lot of that time that falls on your, your head coach or your president of your club or your general manager, whatever the title may be. But it's not just the person who has the title that's responsible for it. Uh, and some of the people that I've worked with in my career in different places that have added the most to the culture haven't been the people that are maybe at the top of the pyramid from a title perspective. Uh, I've had equipment managers, we call them kit man uh, in our business, that some of them have been the most important people in our entire team because of the contributions that they make to the culture. A lot of the time they're the player, the person that the players see the first when they get to the training ground or the stadium and their energy, their positivity, their mindset sets the tone for everybody's workday. 
uh, and they're not the president of the club, they're not the head coach, but in many, many respects, they're the most important person. Um, so titles don't mean anything. Uh, obviously, a lot of time titles can be can have major impacts on pay grades and things like that. But in terms of the overall effectiveness on an organization or a team, uh, everybody can play a role and everybody can be a leader in different ways. Um, so no, I feel very, very fortunate to work with some great people in those different roles that really have contributed a lot to culture uh, and have helped improve everything that we do on and off the pitch. How did you prepare to now make that transition from playing to you did work for company for a little bit and then now going into coaching? How did you know that coaching was your next path that you wanted to go on? I had no clue. A lot of people, I think, and, and particularly in the U.S. where I think there's a lot of respectful coaches in different sports and, and you'll go see documentaries on different basketball coaches or American football coaches and different things like that. So there's a greater awareness and appreciation for, for coaching potentially in North America than there may be in some other places. Uh, but growing up in South Africa, I, I never, ever dreamt of being a coach. It, it was never a thought of mine. Uh, and then when I came to North America, and particularly being at Simon Fraser University here, here in Vancouver, that was the first time that I remember looking at the head coach and the assistant coach and being like, wow, they're actually involved still in the game. Uh, and the head coach was a little bit older, the assistant coach was younger, but they're still continuing that journey. And that's when I started to think about it a little bit, uh, but never really thought about it very seriously until when I had to stop playing. Uh, my old assistant coach became the head coach of the college team. Uh, and he offered me the, the assistant coach job for absolute peanuts. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't about the money. It was about the opportunity. And uh, I'm incredibly grateful to him. And, and here I sit today. And so, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't something I thought about, dreamt about. Uh, I didn't even know it was a career when I was a kid. Um, but uh, I'm glad it is. And I'm glad it has been. Being a coach for a team, did it still have that passion in you to be still be a part of the soccer organization where you're not playing, but you're still playing a big part in the impact that the team makes? Oh, huge. I, I still get the same uh, nervousness or, or butterflies in the stomach before, before a game uh, as a coach that I would as a player. And I don't get uh, mass butterflies. I get what I would call a healthy nervousness. So I think that to be slightly uh, nervous or a little bit of anxiousness before a game is good. Uh, it shows that it means something to you. Um, so yeah, as a coach, I, I definitely love feeling the same thing that I used to feel as a player. Uh, but having been a coach for a long time now, I, I know now that I can impact everybody. Uh, whereas a player, you could only impact yourself. Uh, as, as a coach, I, I have a major influence on uh, just preparing the players for the game uh, and then also managing players in a game. Uh, but obviously I have to make some of the tough decisions in terms of who's going to start and, and what tactical adjustments we'll make in the game. So uh, I'm too old to, to even have the dream of playing anymore. Um, I can still go kick the ball around a little bit, thank goodness. Um, so I don't even contemplate playing uh, and that's a distant dream, um, but I can definitely appreciate what the players still go through, but I, I thoroughly enjoy my, my coaching role. What's been a big accomplishment you have had with coaching at a college level? Um, as a head coach, I took uh, one of my college teams uh, to three uh, final fours. Um, so that was something that I have very, very fond memories of. And I know still being in touch with some of those guys that played in those teams. Uh, it's beautiful to 
to have had memories with student athletes that those guys will talk about when they're 60, 70, 80 years old. Um, so just being able to go to three final fours uh, was pretty special because there's a lot of work uh, that it takes to, to get to that moment. Um, but then obviously in a college postseason, you have to win several games to, to get to a final four. So uh, having ridden those roller coasters uh, a few times, those are some of uh, my best uh, memories from, from that perspective. Um, some of the other memories are seeing guys graduate, having players that you you never thought would graduate from college and seeing them graduate and setting themselves up for success for the rest of life. I can take a lot of gratification from that. Were you able to win like the national championship after getting to the final four? No, <laughs> all, th all three times uh, we, we lost in the final four. So uh, yeah, that's why I was going to say, if we'd won it uh, or even got to the national championship game, I would have said those were my biggest achievements. So no, in the, in the college game, uh, all three final fours that I got to, we lost, unfortunately. Um, we went back to back, I think it was 2012 and 2013 in NCAA Division II. Uh, we went to back to back final fours. Uh, and that was pretty special to do because we graduated several players from the 2012 team uh, and then to go do it right away the very next year with uh, a core group, but definitely some new players that we had to bring in, uh, showed a lot of consistency in terms of how we work and the environment that we created. So how do you keep those players and yourself motivated to come back next year and get to that level again? Because sometimes players might feel defeated because they didn't get that big one and they don't feel like they can do it or make it back there. So how do you keep your players at, at the, during that time motivated to come back next season and perform at the same level? I think one of the biggest things I've learned along this journey is the best time to make changes is when things are successful. And a lot of people think it's the other way around. They think, oh, are you, you're having no success or you're suffering, you should make changes then. Now, of course, sometimes there are times where you do have to make changes, uh, but some of the best proactive changes you can make uh, are when you're being successful. And that can be minor little tweaks. Uh, it can be surprises. It can be something to keep the environment fresh. It can be something to keep people on their toes um, because Obviously, a lot of the time when you are successful, there is a tendency for some people to take the foot off the pedal. Mm. And, I, and I believe when you are successful, that's the time to push even harder so you can maintain and sustain that success. And that's my job then as a leader uh, is to make changes and make the right changes at those times. And they can be minor, minor little tweaks, um, but just keeps it fresh, keeps things innovative, uh, and keeps people wanting to achieve that success. On the flip side, when you when you struggle, sometimes you obviously have to make changes, but sometimes that's the time to maybe show a little bit of loyalty, a little bit of trust, uh, and maybe commit to the environment that you're in uh, so you can actually grow that environment. And I remember many, many years ago, I, I had an assistant coach who said to me, oh, the team's not good. We should change everybody. And I, I paused for a second and I was like, yeah, there might be some some reality to what you're saying, but don't you think we should challenge ourselves now as coaches and show how good we are, because if we're struggling and we're not that great, now it's about us. It's about us maximizing the players and the people that we have in our disposal. Um, so yeah, I haven't always been able to do that, but I do believe in that. I, I believe when you have success, that's the time to make some changes. Make changes that will, will freshen up the environment, keep everybody on their toes so you can hopefully sustain that. Uh, and then when you do struggle a little bit, commit to what you're doing. Commit to the little areas where you, maybe you are showing growth, maybe go reinforce those. And then obviously the challenging areas where you are challenging, you have to address those. Um, but 
maybe that's a little bit unconventional, I would think, and from a managerial perspective. Uh, but I've found that those things have helped me um, have success in different places. I think you can take the lessons that you've just talked about, even in the business side, where a lot of people think if they're doing a project and they do it at a good level and everyone's like saying, yes, it's amazing. Then they kind of think, oh, well, we know how to do it now. We don't have to, we don't have to try hard because we already know how to do it. But I'm that type of person who's like, how can I get to the next level? Like, what's more I can do to get even better? And I think, like you said, is even those small things, like you can change. It just makes you grow as an individual. Would you say, when after your assistant coach said that comment, could there possibly been a domino effect where if, you're, if you as coaches don't care, the players are not going to care? But when they oh, see you caring and wanting to do even more and seeing the like kind of the off-season planning, the players are like, okay, we got it. We're going to try this. We're going to go out there. 100%. The players are, are human beings. They, they have a sense of the environment they're involved in, and, and some people can see it right away, and others it could be in their guts. Some people it takes a little bit longer to process. But uh, if your leader doesn't care, everybody can see it. Uh, and uh, in this business, <laughs> I work in professional sports. If, if you don't care and you're not prepared to commit everything, you shouldn't be in this business um, because we're in the business of performance. Uh, that can be results team-wise. It can be individual results. Um, you have to care. You have to commit to, to every individual that you have within that group to, to hopefully all achieve your, you achieve your desired outcomes. Um, but yeah, people can see it. The, the second you, you take the foot off the pedal, um, players in your team can see it. I can even see it. I, I've, I've seen it when I've competed against teams and sometimes this happens maybe towards the end of a season and you can see maybe a team is struggling and they've had a tough year and they're almost just hoping for that year to finish. You can see maybe the, the head coach, the assistant coaches, certain players on their team. You can see they're just they're going through the motions. They're just waiting to finish it off. Um, from my side, where I've been the majority of my career, those are moments where you get even more energized because now it's like, okay, we have a competitive advantage. We're, we're going to go in and now we're going to get the job done. Were you always looking at what next can I do? Like, can I go to the next level of the professional leagues? Or were you kind of okay being at the college level? When I was a college coach, I always had aspirations of being a professional coach. I wanted to always challenge myself. And I remember speaking to other college coaches and everybody would say the same thing. Um, oh, we'd love to go do it. We think we can go do it. Um, but I'm a firm believer, unless you actually do it, you cannot do it. Uh, and actions speak louder than words. And I remember I was one of those guys. We would have chats off the games. And I remember speaking to some of my coaching collegiate colleagues who were great guys and great coaches, to be quite frank. But the majority of them didn't go to that level uh, because they weren't willing to sacrifice and you have to take major sacrifices personally and with your family to, to commit to doing different things because in the professional game, you're going to have to move. Um, and it's ironic because I'm back here in a house in Vancouver, but uh, since I've been in the professional game, I started here with the Vancouver Whitecaps, but we went to Cincinnati uh, and now we're, we're in Colorado. Um, so you, you have to be willing to, to physically move um, but also move outside of your box too. Um, so when I was a collegiate coach, yes, I, I definitely aspired to be a professional coach and go as far as I could. Uh, I've been a USL head coach. I've been an MLS head coach. Uh, and now where I stand today, to be quite frank, I'm about maximizing where I am um, because I have been at a higher level where I coach now as the second tier of professional soccer uh, in North America. 
uh, and I have been at the first tier. Uh, I'm, I'm motivated to be successful wherever I am. Uh, and I use the word project a lot. This is a project where I am and I'm motivated to, to maximize the project as, as much as I possibly can. And if I go to what people may perceive as a higher level uh, in North America or somewhere else, so be it. Uh, I just want to be as good as I can possibly be in whatever environment I'm in. Talk about getting the opportunities with the USL team and the MLS team. Um, so I left the collegiate game. I went to be a scout first with the Vancouver Whitecaps or a major league soccer team. Um, and then when I started scouting for them, they created a USL team and they had their second team play in the USL. Um, so I got to work primarily with a lot of younger players in the environment, but work for a big club. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It exposed me to working with other coaches, other philosophies, other ideas. Uh, and I think that was one of the, the biggest growth opportunities for me, just to see some things that I thought people did well and also see some things that I didn't think people did well. You can learn from uh, other people's successes and you can also learn from other people's failures too uh, at the same time. So I, I saw a lot and I grew uh, a lot during that time and got to work with some young players. And Alfonso Davies is the most well-known one who's gone to play for Bayern Munich and he, he won the Champions League a few months ago. Um, so... Uh, it was thoroughly enjoyable working with young players like that. Then I left to go to Cincinnati and wore every hat on the rainbow when I started off there. Uh, and then I became their USL head coach. We had a lot of success. We won the USL. Uh, and then we went to MLS and I became the MLS head coach. Um, so it didn't just happen overnight. Uh, I had to have had a lot of success in different places and work incredibly hard to get there. Um, but then probably one of the best professional things that could have happened to me, it happened to me. Uh, and it's, it's bizarre to say that, uh, but for the first time in my entire coaching career, I'd coached in five or six different places. Uh, I'd been successful. We had a short little window of a few weeks where we weren't successful, uh, and I got dismissed. And that happens in professional sports. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. Um, but it was probably one of the biggest growth opportunities of my life, uh, where I was able to actually really reflect at what I was doing well, uh, at certain things that I maybe wasn't doing that well, uh, and kind of just grounded me and put me in a place now where uh, I can be very, very confident and comfortable with who I am uh, as a person and who I am as a coach. Uh, and it's what really allows me just to be in the moment, uh, enjoy what I'm doing. Uh, and that was part of the question you asked earlier. That's why I can actually enjoy being the switchbacks head coach. Uh, I don't want to be uh, coaching anywhere else other than the project that I'm in at that particular moment. It's very much about being engrossed with what you're working on. It's almost like a, a little kid being thrown into a sandpit and you're in the sandpit, go make the most of it. And that's just the sandpit you're in. So whichever sandpit I'm gonna get thrown in, I'm gonna go make the most of it. And whenever the day comes that I move to a different sandpit, I'm gonna go make the most of that sandpit that I have, so. With sports, a lot of times when a coach gets released, it's usually a media blast. Like everywhere is calling like seeing it, hearing about it, people are commenting about it. Was it hard to see that go like that? Um, or like you said, and I love the attitude that you have where you're ready for that next challenge and you kind of just took it on the chin and said, okay, what's next? Let's keep it going. What's the next project I'm going to take on? Yeah, a lot of the time when a head coach gets fired, it's, uh, it's not just the head coach because everybody's working together. So there's all the different layers uh, underneath and around and above. Uh, and the majority of the time when a head coach gets laid off, they truly are the scapegoat. People are looking for, okay, we have to make a change. 
how are we going to do that? And, and sometimes they'll do that in a, in a graceful manner. Sometimes they'll go out and, and do it in certain different ways and, and media will, will take it however they want to go with it and, and create stories and, and blow it up as much as possible. And that's, that's the reality of professional sports. It's an entertainment, it's an entertainment business and people have the prerogative to go wherever they would like with that. Um, but really I, I, I've learned that yeah, when a head coach gets, gets dismissed, it's not just the head coach. There's a lot of things that obviously aren't going right at that time in, in so many different levels. And, and you take it personally. It's the only time it's happened to me in 20 years. So I, I definitely took it personally, but I'm actually glad it, it happened. I almost wished it had happened to me earlier in my career because it actually allows you to truly reflect. You, you're forced to. All, all of a sudden, you're, you're coaching in a place. Your, your baby's been taken away from you. Uh, you're packing up, you're, you're flying out of town, or in my case, I was flying out of the country, uh, and you're actually having to go figure out, okay, what am I going to do next? Uh, and I was out of the game for a few months, not for that long, uh, but I wanted to get back into it. I, I, I love being engrossed in this game. I love coaching. I love developing players. I love trying to maximize teams. Um, so I, I learned a lot from that experience. So I'm glad I went through it. And in many respects, you almost wish for other younger aspiring coaches that it happens to them earlier. It's not fun, um, but it is definitely uh, something that can be a growth opportunity for the individual when it does happen. Taking on the role as the head coach of the Switchbacks, what's the biggest thing that you've worked on with that team? Yeah, it's interesting because when I inherited this team, I got there, it's just over a year ago, the team uh, came lost in the USL championship. And so it was a team that... Uh, on field wise and, and really from a club perspective had, had really stagnated. Uh, I don't think you could say the team or the club were, were going down, but they definitely had stagnated and, and other teams and clubs in the league had, had grown and had invested a lot more money and were definitely heading in a, in a different direction. So for me to come in, it was really just figure out the lay of the land, see what was working because there definitely are some good things uh, and then see what things can we address? What can we make better? Um, resources are at the level that they're at. So it's not all of a sudden that there's going to be this magical influx and we can just go buy and spend money on everything that we have to go fix. No, we actually have to roll up the sleeves and do a lot of the work ourselves. Um, so it's about prioritizing certain things. What can we work on? What can we make better? What are some of the things that we actually know we won't be able to make better because we either don't have the, the financial power to do it, or maybe we don't have enough human resources. Maybe we don't have enough staff to physically do some of the things that we'd like to do. Um, so uh, it's a project. It, it really is. And it's a slow, it's a slow build, which in professional sports, uh, people expect miracles very, very quickly. Um, and we've shown significant progress in my opinion in this last year. Uh, but we definitely still have a long way to go. When, when I got the club, the club was 18th out of 18 in the Western conference. This year, because of COVID, we divided up into little divisions. We probably had the most challenging division across the entire nation. Uh, we played with uh, the team that won it last year. We're now division. Another team that lost in the Western Conference Final won our division, and the other team made the playoffs. Um, so those are the teams we played against many, many times, and we showed a lot of growth in those games. Uh, but at the end of the season, across the board, number of points against a more challenging schedule than pretty much everybody, I believe we were 13th. So to go from 18th to 13th, yeah, we didn't flip everything on its head, but we showed growth. Uh, and and that's, that's the progression that I, I like to see. I'm proud of the players, the staff, and the club for the route we're taking. Um, but we definitely have a lot of growth still to, 
to go and still a long way to go. Um, but it's exciting. The, the club is opening up a brand new stadium. I don't know if you've seen their renditions. They're, they're building this beautiful stadium on the side of the Rocky Mountains in downtown Colorado Springs. So it's going to be it's going to be a beautiful stadium, one of the best sporting stadiums, I would say, in the whole continent. Not the biggest. It's only going to be 8,000-seater, but it's going to be beautiful. Um, so there's a lot of exciting things that are happening, and I, and I feel like we've made a lot of progression this year, uh, but there definitely is still certain targets that we'd like to hit as we move forward. I know here, I'm in uh, Missouri, so we're getting a new MLS team, and I know everyone's so excited. We're all seeing the renderings of the stadium, we're like, they're really putting it there. Like it's hard to <laughs> picture it on a like a drawing of it, but I think we're all excited to see how that goes. Would you prefer playing us? You talked about the schedule and the teams in your division. Would you rather play teams that are good competition than playing teams that are just easy wins? Because the competition teams, your players can grow and learn and be able to develop over time than taking an easy win and not trying. I think it depends on where you are and what are your desired outcomes. I think if a team is, we have to win at all costs and no matter what it is, we have to put a winning product in the field today. Um, yeah, you want to challenge yourself, but some challenges can be very, very difficult. Um, so sometimes it is good to have slightly easier games because it allows you to go win and everybody feels good when they win, uh, but you can also develop confidence uh, and then that can allow you to go beat maybe some teams that you normally wouldn't beat. But for what we needed this year to be uh, for the individual players and their personal growth and our team, I was ecstatic. When the draw came out and it said, this is who you're going to play, I, I call it the group of death. I know several other people in the media did too. Uh, I was very, very happy to play some of those difficult teams um, because it gave us a measuring stick. This is where we need to get to. Uh, and we actually progressed against the top teams that we played against. Our actual results uh, improved every single time we played them. Uh, and the performances improved too, individually and collectively. So uh, for where we are, I was very, very happy to play a difficult schedule. Um, obviously, sometimes uh, you, you prefer to play maybe a weaker team here or there because it allows you to win a game and get confident, uh, and then your team can grow and become better. Um, but no, for where we were at and what we needed to do this year, I was very, very happy to play a difficult schedule. What are you hoping to accomplish as a team next season? Yeah, so it's exciting. It's moving into a brand new stadium uh, where the club is, is growing, um, but really continued to progress on the field. Uh, and that would be improving the style of play that we're trying to implement, which I think we made a lot of progress with. Win a few more games, definitely. Uh, we obviously, with, we live in such unique times with COVID. We don't even know the structure, uh, who we're going to play, how we're going to play, when we're going to play. But if we can get back to a normal schedule, I, I believe under a normal schedule, the goal should be the playoffs. Uh, and that would show us that we've made a significant progression. We've gone from 18th to 13th in terms of normal points to making the playoffs. I think that would show uh, a big improvement. Um, but having done this in a few different places, I also I think it's very, very important for us to grow this product in the community. And there's been a lot of good community work done, but I think we could still do more. I think it's about really, really engaging with the community in Colorado just to, to bring people into the stadium uh, and have fans that truly come as fans because they love the game and they love the team, get supporters to come in too, but also get like community members to come and be there in the stadium and really appreciate because there's a lot of people that have contributed a lot of money to, to make that stadium happen. Uh, and obviously, we're, we're one of the lucky benefactors. We get to play in a beautiful stadium, but really get the community behind it 
um, and all come together and embrace those moments because like I mentioned earlier, it's a beautiful stadium and a great location. Uh, and it could be a very, very special experience for people that come to the games. Looking back at your career so far, what's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself? Wow. Um, I've learned a lot. Um, you, you have to adapt to different environments. Uh, and there's a lot of people, there's a lot of coaches that have this philosophy. And I've actually worked with uh, some assistant coaches that maybe were younger uh, and they were pretty adamant that this is the way you have to do it. Or this is the way you have to play. And from my experiences, because I've coached at every level under the rainbow, um, stay true to who you are, but you have to adjust. Like how I would coach a team with certain players in one environment is very different as to how I would coach a team in another environment. Um, yes, you have to manage the individual players within that. And that's fairly consistent across the board, uh, but you have to adapt. Uh, coaching the switchbacks in Colorado at altitude and on a certain budget is very different than how I would go coach Cincinnati in Major League Soccer uh, or the Vancouver Whitecaps too, where I was playing with younger players on a lower budget uh, and still had success. We still made it to a, a USL conference final with that group, uh, but you cannot take a cookie cutter approach. I, I cannot leave the club where I am today and go to another club and say, this is Alan's way and this is how I'm going to do it. Yes, uh, I stay true to my principles and all the different things that I'd like to do, um, but I have to have flexibility because you're going into a new club, a new city, a new environment. Sometimes it could be a completely different culture. You're working with different people. Uh, you have to be willing to adjust for that environment. So what does the future look like for you professionally and personally? Is there any roles within a soccer organization that you want to take on hopefully in the future or any teams outside of the professional leagues that you want to coach? I know it's hard um, now to say, oh, I want to go coach this team, but yeah. Um, from a coaching perspective, I, I'm riding the wave. You ride it and you see what happens. And I'm 45 years old, which from a coaching perspective is still relatively young. Uh, I hope I can continue to coach for many, many years. Um, but ultimately, maybe when the time comes and if the opportunity presents itself, maybe get into a, a different role in terms of managerial perspective, uh, maybe a president of a club or a technical director of a club, something like that. When I uh, maybe I'm slowing down a little bit because it takes a lot of energy to be honest, to coach and be on the field and train with the team and, and push the team. Uh, there are some people that are older that are still doing it to this day and I, I commend them for it. But I, I would think uh, in the future, definitely not anytime soon um, in the future, maybe take some type of managerial role um, because you can see, I, I love the on field, but I definitely love the structure and the organization. And I, I love the business too. Uh, and if I can merge, that role at some stage in the future. Um, and if the opportunity presents itself, maybe that's something that I can embrace at that time. I think just from having our conversation, I can definitely tell the passion that you have for the sport, for your, the teams that you work with, and knowing that you want to make a difference and we can see that your players are enjoying having you as a coach. It's kind of exciting to see what that next role is for you. And you're going to be coaching a long time from now. I'm going to be watching a video one day and I'm going to see you sprinting. And I'm going to be like, I remember when you're talking about that. <laughs> well, I remember, I actually remember last, no, it was two years ago. Uh, one of our players, 
hadn't scored in a while and he scored and he ran, ran across to me and uh, his name's Fernando Adi and he's a center forward and uh, he'd been struggling a little bit and we'd, we'd stayed loyal to him and we'd worked with him and, and he came over and he's, he's probably 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, and he was going to run and jump and expect me to catch him. And I was like, I, I'm not going I'm not, I'm not to catch you. And when he came over in front of probably 25 to 30,000 fans, I jumped into his arms and we embraced. So I, I, I pretty much saw my, my life flashing in front of me. But uh, I think I made a smart decision at that time. So During practices, do you ever get that kind of moment where you just want to have like penalty shootouts with them, like really get involved and like kind of live the – olden days where you were playing or are you kind of okay just watching them all practice and stuff i'm okay watching them i've had both my knees reconstructed so i can still strike a ball i can still run <laughs> but i uh I, i'm not going to go jump in and embar- one embarrass myself and two hurt myself so no i'm quite i'm quite content and i'll strike balls in training and my my assistant coach actually makes fun of me because if i I don't hit the ball exactly where I want it to go, which I should be able to do. He's the first guy to jump all over me and be like, hey, you're losing it, coach. Um, but uh, no, I enjoy striking balls. I enjoy being active. I love being involved in the training session, but I definitely know, know my limitations nowadays. The final question I'll ask you is based on your journey and someone that's listening to this interview, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome their obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to their challenge? So we're all going to face obstacles. I, I think that's just part of life. Uh, and having been on this journey for a long, long time, I've faced many different obstacles. And, and some, when I faced them, that I quite frankly didn't think I could overcome. Uh, and others that I just knew, okay, this is a minor little blimp. I'm going to get over it. Um, but just stay true to the journey. And, and don't get caught up uh, in that actual specific moment. Just try to see the big picture. I think sometimes if you can actually breathe in a moment to maybe take a step back, uh, it allows you to see what the obstacle is in front of you. And maybe it's not as challenging as you thought it would be. Uh, and you can hopefully get through it. Uh, but sometimes point A to point B is sometimes not a straight road. Sometimes you, you have to go slightly on a little bit of a detour to hopefully get back to that same road. So stay true to the goals uh, that you have. And when those obstacles present themselves, sometimes have a chuckle. I, I, I've, I've sometimes uh, had an internal laugh with myself in some of my most difficult moments because I've been fortunate to be in that moment, uh, if that makes any sense. And you're, you're fortunate sometimes to, to have obstacles. They're going to present themselves. Don't lose sight of your goals uh, and try to be as calm as you can possibly be to, to get through those challenges. And I, I remember the first time I coached in front of some huge crowds um, and you can get applauded and you can get abused uh, in those environments. Uh, and I remember the first few games, literally just having to take a deep breath, just slow down for a second, take a deep breath, breathe out. Okay, I've got this. I'm ready for it. And you walk out in the stadium and you go acknowledge the fans and, and you get on with your job. Um, but you're going to face obstacles. I think if you're facing obstacles, that shows you're living life, uh, which is beautiful. Life is not always going to be easy. Uh, and sometimes you need to go through difficult moments to, to get to some good places, uh, of course. So, um, yeah, don't be afraid when you have obstacles. I think that's a positive, stay true to your goals, obviously. And, and you can work through all these different challenges. Uh, it may feel like you're taking a, a side road at times, um, but you can eventually get back to where you want to go. If you can continue to persevere and, and seek guidance too, you don't, you don't have to solve every problem by yourself. I think some of the biggest 
and most successful people that I've interacted with have mentors. Have, have a mentor who you can reach out to and just take their brain uh, and, and share your challenge or share your problem and hopefully you can get through it. Alan, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. We definitely have learned so much about you and we're excited to see what the future has for you. Awesome, Alex. I, I appreciate the opportunity and thanks a lot. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full-length episode in video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.